It's time for Contact on Connect FM. Welcome to a special Veterans Day program. I'm Dan Kennard, hosting Contact today. Michael Clement, who, of course, normally is with you, has a very busy week. Of course, you know about Michael's involvement in politics, and this is a very busy political week with Election Day this past Tuesday. So I'm sitting in, standing in for Michael today on this special Veterans Day program. And today we're going to be talking with Bob Michaels, who has over 20 years in with the Army, the Marines, and the Navy. He'll be telling us more about that and his some of his experiences in the military as we approach Veterans Day tomorrow. Contact Today is sponsored in part by Community County Services, Supporting strong families with family-based mental health. Learn more at communitycountyservices.com. Hi folks, are you having problems with your child at home? Is their behavior a problem? Are you at your wit's end? If so, call us for more information. Community County Services, we provide family-based mental health. Call for information at 371-8066. We work to help you keep your family together in a healthy way. Community County Services, 371-8066. It's great having you tuned in to Contact today, and we are so happy to have with us and honored to have with us Mr. Bob Michaels. Uh, Bob, thanks for joining us on this special Veterans Day edition of Contact. Thanks, Dan. It's a, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate it. You sure. Uh, would you take a, a few moments to introduce yourself to us, apart from your military experiences, because we're going to get into that a little more in detail here in a few minutes. But tell us, who is Bob Michaels? Well, I retired from the uh, from the Navy. Um, I was a chief petty officer, a, a hospital corpsman. I had 22 years in the service. Uh, to start out with, I served in the Army initially. Was, uh, I joined the uh, 112th Pennsylvania National Guard, uh, went through basic training, and went through my medic training down in Fort Sam Houston, Texas. Um, from there, I got back to my guard unit. It really, after a few months, it really wasn't my my thing uh and i switched over into the navy so the navy they made me go through boot camp again and go through hospital corps school again uh same kind of medical training i think the army's training was a, was a little better than what the navy's was because I, I went to both of them uh but what the navy did with me after that was was really super um so after I completed all my training, uh, thinking I was all done, going to go work in a, a nice hospital with pretty nurses and everything, they uh, <laughs> uh, they didn't. They sent me to the Marines. Um, if if you don't know, the the uh, United States Marine Corps gets their their medical personnel from the Navy. So I got one of those guys with uh, you know switched over the, to that. Um, I think my my first experience uh, with the Marines uh, was doing a, during a Westpac that uh, we were out there in the uh, Pacific Ocean, and uh, it 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 made a, an impact on me. I think I was at the time I was 20, 22, 23 years old, uh, and and uh, this was during this was back. In, excuse me, it was. It was 19 or 20, the uh, 1977. This is during the, the boat people from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Vietnam had ended, and uh, there were uh, a lot of people, a lot of Vietnamese people going out on these out on the water. They had very leaky craft, uh, and they they were trying to get get out of Vietnam. 
And uh, our, our task force at the time uh, is Marine Amphibious Group, a battalion landing team, about 1,500 Marines and, and all of their, their equipment. Uh, we come over the horizon and found this, this boat with oh, it about 50 or, 50 or 60 people on board. The, uh, the chief of the, pe- of the people on there had been killed. Uh, they had raped a couple of women. It was just a mess. Mm. And we brought these people on board, and while we did that, we had three children born. Uh, on wow. our ship, they they those children and their their mothers became uh, instant American citizens. Yeah. So they were taken care of. Then we had to drop the boat the, these these people off in Pattaya Beach in Thailand, and that's where things got really crazy because they uh, um, these were not typical refugees. These were very wealthy people from Vietnam, and they uh, they had a lot of gold on them, and we didn't mm. know it. Mm. But the Thais, the Thai military, they did. They uh, they they beat these people up. I saw a guy getting, getting, getting slugged down with a butt of a rifle, and they were pulling his pants down. And they were, he had he had little gold bars sewed sewed into the cuffs of his pants. Um, so they basically they felt that I guess the Thai's justification for this was just that uh, they uh, uh, they were going to uh, change their their monetary system or something. Uh, it was going to cause inflation in their country with all this gold, supposedly. So they, that, that was justification for robbing these poor folks. Mm-hmm. But it, it made a, and it made an imprint on me because it was like these people would rather risk dying at sea mm-hmm. uh, to be free. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully those folks uh, uh, made out okay. But the one, the one baby that was born, her name was Grace Taro, a Tran. And um, we were told I was up in the uh, in the sick bay area, and I was told that hey, there's a uh, there's a mom in labor down 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 in the well deck is where we kept these folks at, and uh, I got I got sent down there to, to help. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, and uh, well, no problem. I got down there. Baby was delivered by the by the the local folks. They took care of everything down there. It wasn't it wasn't a wasn't really a big deal, um, but it was uh, it was kind of cool. You know, my uh, being a kid and the first experience something like that. So, um, anyway, uh, the next deployment was during the Iranian crisis. I, I back to back. This was 1979 when the uh, um, the uh, Shah got kicked out of uh, Iran, and they they took uh, 50 52 hostages. Um, our, our diplomats in Iran. So, I was involved in that. Uh, we. We had taken off from the uh, flight deck. We were in the air. We were just coming over to uh, over Iran, and then all of the all of the planes were returned back to the ship, and we were told the mission scrubbed. So mm. um, things uh, kind of fell out. At the time, I don't remember being scared. Now that I've had time to think about it, I think, oh my gosh, that was really that was lucky for me. You're thinking I should have been scared now. <laughs> oh yeah, you know when you're when you're that age, you don't you don't think right, about that right. stuff. So. Um, Anyway, but th- those were a couple of experiences with the Marines that I had that I, uh, I share with you. From there, I moved to uh, the 1st Marine Division in, in uh, Camp Pendleton, uh, kind of unremarkable there. And uh, then I spent three years as a recruiter, recruiting nurses and doctors for the Navy uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, that was an interesting time, but, mm-hmm. but it really wasn't, it wasn't like being in the military. Um, from there, after serving with the Marines and serving, uh, you know, in Cleveland, uh, I needed a, a job that uh, was was less stressful and dangerous. So, uh, I was accepted to the uh, Naval Undersea Medical Institute in Groton, Connecticut, 
uh, for about a year training program. Uh, medics, corpsmen, they get about eight weeks of training. This is a year-long training pipeline because you not only have to do all the medical on board a nuclear submarine, uh, you also have to take care of the radiation health aspects. Mm. Uh, so I, uh, um, I got through that program. My first submarine uh, was the USS Skipjack. Uh, and uh, out of Groton, Connecticut, and I, I ended up being on that ship for four years. And uh, <laughs> do we have time for a, for a story? Yeah, we sure do. Okay. It would be a good time. <laughs> we, had, we had one, uh, one time, it, it was a very mysterious thing happened. We, there's a, uh, we do workups. It's called an operational safeguard exam or, or an ORS. And essentially this captain from Naval Reactors can come on our submarine and take away my captain's keys if things aren't aren't right so we it's kind of we we pretend like we're in combat so everybody's stressed out nobody gets any sleep uh and this goes on day in and day out for 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 a week uh while we're doing a workup and uh um one of the one of the things that i was involved with would be would be decontamination mm-hmm. or we we uh of somebody that that uh, was radio radiologically contaminated uh and it's always the 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 way the drill would always go was one of our uh, lab technicians that sampled the primary water of the reactor uh he would get a a little drizzle dribble of of primary coolant on his sleeve or something and i'd have to just just decontaminate it well we had gone through this drill day in and day out time and again to get it right and um, where I had my decontamination station was back in the officer's wardroom uh, in this little bitty cubby hole. I mean, you think about a small closet, just chop it in half, and that's where I had to do decontamination. Plus, mm. there was a toilet in there and, and everything else. So it was really a tight fit. And uh, um, so this, I got called away. We had to drill. Um, this was probably the... the eighth or ninth time this week that i'd had the same drill and uh only the difference was my co come in and goes what happened and uh and uh one of the other officers said oh uh you know the elt had a had a spill of primary on his on his sleeve here and uh we run the radiax over it and and we checked it and and uh, i had had him all decontaminated all, all cleaned up and i said well are we all done and they said yeah uh, and I just ended up dumping the water that was there. Normally, we, if it was actually contaminated water, we'd have a special place to put that. Mm-hmm. Well, I just dumped it into the sink that went down into our tank. And it was about that time that the captain and everybody else just kind of went went crazy. And I go, what's the matter? He goes, this wasn't a drill, oh. you know? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I thought they were pulling my leg. And I was like, no. <laughs> well, we were tired. I put everything back in the box, uh, back in this locker, and didn't realize it um and i you know I, again i was i was really tired i i uh a couple hours later we had lunch or we had we had our evening meal we're sitting in on the mess decks and again it's really small it's really cramped in there and we heard this this high pressure air sound going off um and there's um <clears throat> the the wardroom and the enlisted uh mess area where we would eat at was was separated by a little bulkhead you could hear what was going on in there and they could hear what we were we were doing and then you hear all the officers start laughing and one of the other guys said oh i bet one of the guys uh, opened up the ball valve to the toilet now on a submarine we have to you know we have to blow our our sanitary tanks to the to, to sea mm-hmm. uh 
and you always this, there's a big heavy ball valve that you turn well before you ever turn that valve you always look to see if there's any air bubbles coming up because okay. you never know when it could be pressurized yeah and the uh this ensign he ended up having everything from that sanitary tank blown all over him and inside oh. the wardroom and oh, no. and nobody knew what was going on because mm -hmm. they weren't uh, at the time there should have been no air in there and nobody knew about it so this became a real mystery for the ship mm. like where the heck is this magic air coming from mm -hmm. that, that's in there um so everything kind of calmed down uh and the next morning the engineer goes in to use this bath this this commode and he does the same thing it just blows that tank blows up all over him and uh, everybody's uh, kind of going what the heck this time it's it you know we went to battle stations over it <laughs> and it come to find out that it was a little eighth inch airline somehow in this locker that i had inadvertently bumped when i put my equipment back in. <laughs> And and I didn't even know it, it wasn't it wasn't on any of our schematics or anything else, and uh, it it had just turned a little bit, and uh, you know it so pressure, you caused it was, mayhem. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it pressurized the tank, and and uh, you know, it was a um, it was an interesting um, interesting couple of days. They uh, they all of course they all blamed me, and it was like, hey, you know, it's not on the schematics. I didn't know what this thing was, right, and, right. and I certainly didn't turn it. Um, but it took them a long time to figure out what the problem was. Um, so, uh. Quite interesting. Bob, uh, for, for a moment here, before, before you continue on telling us about some of your experiences in your 22 years in the military, uh, that time in a submarine, I, I'm sure a lot of people uh, that have never been on a submarine would wonder, what is it like living in those tight, cramped uh uh, quarters like that and being out to sea you after a while you you, you just take everything for granted there's no daylight mm -hmm. there's no there's no dark um in the birthing compartments if it's if it's dark on the surface then then they run like uh red lights mm -hmm. to kind of give the give the guys an idea that of, of night and day but you you really you really don't you know, there's very little movement of the ship unless you get close to the surface. Uh, it's a very stable platform. Mm -hmm. um, but what's 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 uncomfortable is not so much being on the boat as when you come off the boat, especially sure. yeah. later on. I, I left Skipjack. I ended up going on to some Trident submarines. Uh, Skipjack was a fast attack submarine. Um, the, the 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 other boats were these ballistic missile boats uh, carrying the, the mm -hmm. nuclear weapons and the. Um, after 90 days of being sealed up inside of a submarine um, in very cramped areas, you know, that's okay. You can live with that. It's, it's when you got out. Sure. Uh, yeah. You weren't allowed to drive for a day because your vision was, was really, your depth perception was really, was really messed up. And, uh, uh, but it was like everything on your submarine, everybody's walking around taking logs, uh, making sure that, that every valve's in the right place, mm -hmm. every, every, instrument is correctly read or you know it, it, you feel safe because you trust those guys that are with you out there sure. and and now when you get back out in your in your home and you're with your family again and everything it, it it's like wow I'm, I'm responsible for all this stuff and it, it's kind of <laughs> overwhelming and it shouldn't be but but that's uh that's kind of the kind of what it was like so it is an entirely different world so to speak oh yeah 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 it, it is um you know, we used to joke that, that, you know, prisoners had, had probably 
10 or 15 times uh, as much times as much room as we did i could i could lay in my bunk and my my elbow would rest on my mattress and my knuckles would would uh uh rub the bunk above me i mean mm. that's how they were very very small very short rooms right and uh I, I assumed that it was that way, and that's why I thought uh, it'd be interesting to hear what, what is life like uh, when you're in a tin can, so to speak, uh, locked up in a submarine like that. We're talking with Bob Michaels. Uh, he has over 20 years experience, 22 years to be exact, with the Army, Marines, and Navy. We're going to share some more stories, and we're also going to hear a little bit more about something that Bob's involved with called Military Veterans Outdoors. We'll talk about that in just a moment when we return. Contact, this special Veterans Day edition of Contact, is sponsored in part by Lifespan Family Services. Change the life of a child. LifespanFamilyServicesPA.com. Each day in Pennsylvania, there's at least 15,000 children taken from their homes due to abuse or neglect. Foster parents provide homes to these needy children. Lifespan Family Services trains, supports, and compensates foster parents to address this problem. Call Lifespan Family Services today at 375-1314 or drop in at the Dubois Mall or at Lane Avenue in Punxsutawney. Lifespan Family Services, helping people help children every day. 375-1314. You're tuned to Contact on Connect FM. It's a special Veterans Day edition with Veterans Day, of course, November 11th, a day to honor those who have served this great country in the armed forces. Bob is one of those, and we've heard some very interesting and sometimes funny stories of Bob's experience in the uh, Army, in the Marines, and in the Navy. Uh, Bob, with the remainder of our time that we have here, we have about uh, six minutes to go here. Uh, you were sharing with me before we went on the air this morning about uh, the Military Veteran Outdoors, which is a group that uh, I was just learning about it, and it, it sounds very interesting. Could you share more about that? Yeah, uh, thanks, Dan. We started this organization about 10 years ago to provide veterans here in our local area and, and, and out of the area uh, an opportunity to go to, to hunt. Uh, we have some property. It's a little over 700 acres. It's, it's, in the, um, it's off of Moore Road in, in Jefferson County. Um, and uh, it, uh, it has a, a, well, it's a beautiful area. We take and, and uh, have hunts going on out there um if if guys don't like hunting um there's fishing out there we have about a mile of mill creek that runs through the property we stock it with uh, uh with trout the uh, the kids from uh, kerwinsville come over and and have helped us several years now um putting uh putting trout in in the area there so it, it's just a wonderful place to uh to join our organization uh you just need to have a a dd-214 all the vets know what that is it's a, <laughs> it's, a it's a it's a they're discharge papers okay uh we do insist that they were honorably discharged from the military we have firearms out there that we use we're hunting and uh doing things uh so we um we just asked for that. But anything else as far as fees, it's all uh, – the community has been wonderful about supporting our, our, our little organization. Gary Smith is our president. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I, I'm the treasurer for it. We've been 
and we've been doing it for about 10 years. It's, it's, really, a, it's really a fun, fun place. Um, I got the biggest buck of my life. Uh, I tell everybody, I got, I, you know, it took me 50 years to get this guy. Uh, it was a nice, beautiful 11 point. He's, he's hanging in my, my living room now. And um, so, uh, uh, you know, I'll put that plug out, out there. Sure. Is there and, a way that uh, veterans could find out more information about that? Yes, they can call me, uh, uh, Robert Michael, mm -hmm. area code 814-964-0498. Um, or um, I, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, what um, we, Bob, we have just a, a couple of more minutes to go here and since this is a special Veterans Day edition of Contact, and um, you are definitely a, a gentleman who has a lot of experience serving our country, could you share some thoughts about how you think uh, veterans in the United States today are treated? What are some of the things we do? Those of us that don't have uh, military service in our background, what are some of the things that we do right in recognizing and honoring our veterans and maybe some things that could possibly be improved on? Well, <clears throat> it's having come into the military in the 1970s when uh, you would walk down Norfolk uh, Naval Base, or not the base, but out in town uh, in that area, and it would, they would have signs, sailors, dogs, and cats keep off the grass. Mm. Um, you know, back from the Vietnam days of uh, where, you know, guys would be coming through the airports and being spit on and, right. and just all kinds of, of terrible things happened back then uh, to now where people walk up, especially in Veterans Day, shake your hand, thank you for your service. I think I think it's it's nice. I, I, I always feel a little embarrassed um, for me personally. Uh, the military has always been for me about serving and giving. Uh, it's never been, uh, you know, I, I, you know, any anything else yeah. than, than that. Yeah. I had a I had a great career. I uh, I got to see a lot of places and do a lot of a lot of really cool things. So. And we appreciate you so much sharing those experiences <clears throat> with us on Contact today. And uh, Bob Michael, we uh, appreciate your service, and and we do recognize the fact that there are many like you that serve because you want to serve and it's not that you're looking for a thank you or that you're looking for honor but it was your honor to serve and just want to let you know on today's contact that you are appreciated and uh it is it is something that sometimes we as the general public overlook and we need to be more conscious of thanking veterans for what they have done in defense of this country and its values Thanks, Dan. All right. It's been Bob Michael on today's Contact, a special Veterans Day edition of Contact. And uh, Michael Clement, I think, will be back with us next week on Contact here on Connect FM. Thank you for listening.